Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. It's March Madness, people. Let's go! If you're looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Marcus Dash. I'm here with our host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow, and my brother, giant 76ers fanatic Tasia Dash. How are you guys doing? How are your brackets doing? Is everyone's final four still uh, up and running? Uh, doing good. Um, I lost Kentucky. Ah. Um, you know, Michigan oh, State. Okay. You know, Michigan, Michigan State in one of my brackets, but <laughs> uh, but otherwise, my teams are still going. I'm um, either first or second in the two brackets that I do, so I'm okay. That's pretty good. You're you're, you're MSU in, in the heart bracket, right? Yes, I'm, <laughs> still, I'm second in that bracket. Yeah, nice. I'm first in the one that where I didn't choose Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> I'm far down, but I think I basically there's always a non-championship team that you go as far as they go. That for me this year is Houston. If Houston goes really far, then I'll I'll be in good shape. I don't have them winning it, but I have them in the championship in, in two of my brackets. Okay, so, good call. Yeah. Good team. Yeah, they look great. Eric, before we get to the 76ers talk, I just something I've seen like watching the, the college games. And then just seeing people on Twitter kind of exploding about it. It's like, what have you thought about the officiating so far during the uh, the, the tournament? Well, I mean, officiating is always a you know an issue, especially when you're playing or you're emotional. Um, but I think uh, from what I've seen is the the inconsistency, not from the inconsistency of being good and bad. It's just the inconsistency of the calls that they make. I mean, you may watch one game and it's like tons of charges, you watch another game, and then there's tons of blocks. Yeah. Um, and, they, and all the plays seem to look very similar. So and I know the block charge cause is, is, is a difficult one, but I'm just saying, like, it's, I, I think they probably need a more uniform um, referee process. I know they got different referees in different conferences, but I think they need some, some form of a more uniform um, national referee, you know, referendum within college basketball because I think the different conferences ref different. And, and it's showing it, it, it probably more so this year than any other year. Yeah. yeah I've seen, so many, seen so many games end in free throws. And I'm like, man, I, I don't want to see back and forth free throws for the last 10 seconds of this game. It's just like, come on, end it on the floor, man. It's brutal. Yeah, the big ones at TCU, uh, Arizona ending where the guy crossed half court and they said that was clearly a foul. Because there was a couple of plays before that during the game where they called like a ticky tacky foul like that, but they let they let that play go. It, it, it was a it was a foul, and if it wasn't a foul, then when it was over and back. Yeah, yeah, hit him in the dead ball. <laughs> but um, it was a foul before before he fell. Like when mm-hmm. the when before he turned around, that's where the foul was. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Eric, last question on March Madness. Um, when when you played, um, do, do you remember, I guess, your, your senior year? Is that, that long ago? You asked me, do I remember? <laughs> no, no, I guess it's, it's more about the, the feelings of it because, you know, we see everyone picks their teams and everyone, you know, roots for teams. And then at the end of the games, you see a lot of these seniors and guys who are, you know, are going to the draft. You see them balling and, you know, tearing up after the games and stuff. It's it's tough to see. It's, it's kind of sad because, you know, it's like some of these guys never, never play college again, never play ball again uh, competitively. And some guys are going on to the next level. Do you remember? Do you remember the feeling, the emotions of when you played your final game in college? Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, it was that, that was tough. That was one of the toughest peers I had um, in um, sports is is to know when it's over. And in a lot of times, it's not that, you know, you're, you're kind of prepared for it to be over, but you never really think it's going to be over without a championship until that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my case, we were upset in the first round. So, you know, that was totally unexpected. Oh. Um, so for that to happen, um, so we, you know, you just – it was just like a shock. Like you was in shock. Like I didn't, I didn't watch basketball. I didn't even watch um, any basketball until I believe the final four. I might've watched the last game um, when UCLA won it. That might've been the only game I watched for the rest of the, the thing. I couldn't even watch it. Like I was sick to my stomach. So it, 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 it's tough. So I, I, I know what those guys are going through. Even even guys that you know are locks to go pro in the first round, like it's still tough. Like you, it's an emotional game, and and you have a connection with your teammates. Um, like even when you're going on, and so a lot of these guys, you're going on to make money and you know, quote unquote, have a better life. But there's still young friend, kids that have friends, man. It's emotional, so it's tough, man. College was still the best time of my life. I used to always tell people, I wish I had NBA money and in a college um, lifestyle. Yeah, the best of both worlds, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the college invincibility with the uh, the NBA money. <laughs> Exactly. That's great. Um, all right, so now we're gonna go into uh, the 76ers uh, stuff. So obviously last night I saw that Embiid and Harden were out. We were an eight point favor, we're eight point underdog. I thought we were gonna lose. I mean, you know, without Embiid and Harden, we've talked on the show already about the lack of kind of bench production. Um, so last night kind of gave the floor uh, for a lot of these guys to come alive from, from the bench. Um, and Miami was at full strength as far as their starting lineup went. I know they were out, uh, Gabe Vincent and uh, I forgot, there was somebody else they were out with uh, last night. But um, Thibel, starting lineup with Thibel, Tobias, uh, Niang, and Millsap, and Maxi, of course. Uh, those guys dominated. Um, Maxi had one of his games of his life last night, and the bench contributed. What do you make of last night's 113 to 106 victory against the Heat, Eric? I think guys just came out and competed. That's what it was about. Um, and of course, it you know most people see the you know the top two players are out. All of a sudden, you know you think is they're going to lose or but those guys now all of a sudden you're motivated. Um, you know you're going to play. So they came out and they played hard. And they competed and they gave themselves a chance to win the basketball game. And that's what happened uh, at the end of the game. You know anything can happen and guys are still pros who can make plays and and they did their job. Yeah, Tejan, what, what did you notice from that last night? Well, it's funny that, uh, you know, we played them a couple of weeks ago, right? And they beat us by 17. They were missing Lowry and we were missing Harden and they walled us. They just killed us. Um, and then this game, you know, we're missing both of them and they're missing nobody and we win. So it's, it just shows you like it's game to game, right? It's like any given night. Um, but I do love, I love seeing the bench come alive. Um, I love shaking court going off last night. That was really nice because we talked about them last week about, needing to step up. 
um, uh, Tobias Harris with him beating uh, Harden out. Still wasn't a top three score. Wasn't even a top four score for our team. Maybe that's because he deferred to Cork and Shake and Niang because they were hitting shots. I don't know, but he had 14 points in our fifth highest score. Um, in the last 13 games since Harden came over, Toby's average uh, only scored more than 16 twice. And he's had more single-digit games than 20-point games, which is extremely alarming. We've talked about Toby many times. And his rebounding has gone down, which I noticed, too. Like So from the beginning of the season to now, month by month, he averaged 9, 8, 7, 7, 6.4. And then this month, he's averaging like 5.8, so under 6 a game. That's a little concerning, too, because we're getting killed on the boards. Not that Tobias is Dennis Robin by any means, but I'd like him to be closer to his career average or at least last couple season average. But overall, very satisfying game to watch. It was it was really fun because you know uh, Miami Twitter was you know kicking the shit out of us all day, saying how they're going to dominate us and you know all the baby pictures and stuff. Um, so it was nice to see them come out and really really compete and, and, and put it on them like that. They, every single time you thought Miami was going to take over, we hit big shots like boom back to back. You know, guys came up, man. Um, it's pretty cool to watch. That's good. Yeah, Eric, Eric, what do you make of uh, Tobias's rebounding numbers going down? I think some of it is, you know, this, you know, when since maybe since James has been there, you know, the role change. I think doing more spotting, spotting up, uh, will pull you away a little more offensively. Um, as far as defensive rebound, I think it's just got to be a concerted effort uh, on his part to to go in there and, and make it happen. Um, you know, it could be who the person you're defending. I mean, if you're you defending more guys that are standing behind a three-point line, that could pull you away um, versus guys that penetrate or crash the boards. Um, I think it just got to be, you know, an effort. I mean, I think I don't think that uh, a numbers thing is as far as he's not trying or not going after them. But I think offensively, I think is probably where he could um, – you know, probably be least, least effective because of the fact that he's spending more time posting up. But defensively, I think that he, is, along with other guys on the team, have to make a, a, a better collective effort to rebound more because um, other teams have been, um, you know, affecting us in a, in a huge way. So I think that that's going to have to be an effort, something Tobias is going to have to step up and get better as well as his teammates. It's also probably because you know we had um we had Curry who probably averaged what like three rebounds a game. And you go to that from that to Harden who averages like what seven or eight. So you have another guy in there kind of yanking those rebounds away from uh from Tobias and not letting him have those numbers, right? Um I also wanted to ask you too, like uh, I heard Tim Legler today, you know, really heavily criticizing Harden for not showing up yesterday and not playing against Miami twice, and how we need to learn to play against the Eastern Conference top teams. And we're ruining the fan experience. What do you what do you make of that? Well, I mean, that's Tim's personal experience, you know, personal, you know, preference. Um, you know, I think like we I think we've we spoke about guys, you know, missing games, but it, it, is it their call? Is it the team's call? Um, you know, if, if a team say we suggest it, are you to blow it off? Like that, that's what I just don't understand about um how they make their choices of you know who's going to play and who's not going to play because you know if you say if it's a back-to-back then you know play the Miami game and maybe not the game before so like I just don't I just it's just hard to say because you don't know the rhyme or reason of how they choose when guys are going to set out but if they're not having a you know injury that's keeping them out this just seems to be something that 
you're like, hey, you're not going to play back-to-back, so you're not going to play this game. Like, I just don't know. I mean, I think – I mean, I kind of understand where, where Tim is coming from as far as knowing teams. Um, but, I mean, I think that, you know, in some most cases, you know, they've played enough basketball. And I think right now, the you know, Sixers got to get ready and know each other. And yeah. we got to do to get better. Um, you, you know, knowing Miami, we could not face Miami. We, we, we could, we could, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But we got to get better as a team. We got to get, you know, down this stretch run and making sure that we're playing our best basketball going into the playoffs. So we talked about this last time of how the starters play a lot. Like they're very, we play a lot of minutes, right? The bench doesn't really see it. Whereas this game, it was like the complete opposite, right? The bench played most of that like half, if not most of the game. I guess my question is, do you, would you rather start reducing their minutes every game and let the bench play more each game? Or would you rather just sit and beat and harden and just let the bench go fuck wild in the game? Like what, what would you rather see going forward? I would rather see us try to get the number one seat and try to win the game. Um, that's where I'm at. So I think that you've got to try to win the number one seed. And then maybe if it gets down to the last two or three and you see that's not the case, then maybe you can start pulling people back when your seed is kind of solidified. But until that point, I think you got to try to go get the number one seed. And and that plan, yes, I, I don't think that we need to go to a playoff rotation where you're playing a, a hard eight guys. I think you can I think you can accomplish that still playing you know, nine and, and, and in most cases, 10 players. Right. Question about the um, – so last night when they rolled out the starting five, I was kind of surprised that we saw Paul Millsap playing five. We, had, I, we haven't seen him in like six games. I mean, he's been on the bench, but he hasn't been playing. But he got the start at the five instead of DeAndre Jordan. What do you think that was? you think that was just trying to throw up a, a different – like a, more of an athletic five at um, Bam Adebayo? Or is that just more – they just wanted to see what Millsap's got? I think if, if if Joel was only going to miss a game and it's not going to be a you know prolonged absence, I think that you probably want to keep DeAndre in his same role. So you, you instead of you know bumping him up and then bumping Millsap to the reserve, you just keep DeAndre in his same role, uh, put Millsap in that in that position that's only really a spot position, and then you you just go from there, and then that way you can keep the balance and the the minutes as far as DeAndre the same. Um, based on need and how the team, how the game is going. They did that with Howard too. I think a lot too, whenever um, it was a one or two game thing, they just kept Howard, you know, where he was on the bench and then brought someone else to start for a game. Uh, used uh, Tony Bradley in that position. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com. 
slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right. Um, okay, so more about the bench. Uh, so we still extended minutes, uh, bench minutes last night. Um, so I guess the question is uh, for you guys, um, outside of Niang, who, who do you think has secured playoff minutes? And who do you think kind of improved their chances of being a part of that playoff rotation after last night's game? Uh, I don't think anyone solidified it. I just think that, um, you know, guys performed and did their job. I, I still think that Doc will go in with a, with a firm or hard eight players and that nine and 10 are going to be situational players that have to be ready to um, contribute if their name is called. Um, it was good to see Ferk and, and, and Shake come in and play well and make shots because um, as the, as the series goes on, you plan a team, you know, over and over again, you will need those guys to come in and, and, and give us a burst and make some shots like that. That will be needed. So it was good to see them, come and, and make that happen when they knew the minutes were coming. Um, but in the playoffs, it's, it's going to be the inconsistency of when guys are playing and, and staying in, a, in their minutes are going, how, how you know consistent their minutes are going to be. Uh, most reserves, um, it's hard to know when you're going to play, especially in the playoffs. That's, you know, that your minutes decrease more than anything. So, I think it's hard to say it's going to be one particular player over another. I just think that, you know, it it, it could be Furt one day. Um, it could be, you know, Shake another. But I, I do think that those guys have done enough this season and improved it um, versus Miami that they're capable and, and ready when they get the chance. Yeah, Tejan, what stood out to you? I know for weeks you've been saying, oh, uh, Furt's going to come out of this. So I, I would say for, for oh. most, really. <laughs> I've been hoping for that. Yeah, it, it looked good. I mean, it's just a tale of two Ferks, I guess, because, you know, outside of Niang, our bench had 46 last night in general. So that was the most we've had in so long. And the previous three games, we had a total of 50. So that just puts it into perspective how how different it was last night. If you take Niang's points away in our past five games, we've had a total of 30 points, which is six points a game. So compare that to the 46 we had, just night and day. Um Ferk looked great, but he's been bad. There's a reason why he was in the doghouse. I was looking back at his stats, and he's only had five games with two or more threes since January 14th. And in 59 games total he's played, he's been over in 20 of them from three. And he takes four games. So that puts into perspective that one out of every three games, he doesn't just doesn't make a three out of four attempts. And that's just – that's rough. In the year, he's shooting 29%, which is – Unfortunately, it's Westbrookville, so I, I hopefully he just pulls out of it. And ironically, we're playing them. Um, so it's nice to see him bust out of it. Same with Shake. I mean, that's his second double-digit scoring game since he came back from injury in early February. So he's starting to find his groove too. But again, like we talked about with, like Eric said last week about Tobias, they need touches. So he, Ferk had one minute the other night. Uh, so you can't get one minute and expect to do anything with that, right? Like he just gets a sweat and then he leaves. Um so, yeah, it's really nice to see them all, all doing that. We are going to need a primary bar, ball handler off the bench in the playoffs. If I had to make a pick, I'd say, obviously, Nang solidified. I'd say Danny Green for the kind of the middle between um, Thibel's defense and almost not not what Curry gave us shooting, but he can get you two threes a game and some defense. Uh, I'd say Shake is the ball handling. 
And then lastly, I'd say it's a toss up between Millsap and DeAndre, depending on who you're playing. If it's a bigger center, I'd say put DeAndre in. If it's more of like a, a bam, like a 6'9", 6'10", small ball type guy, I think Millsap did a pretty good job against him last night. I mean, you're not going to stop him, but, you know, for Millsap. I consider Danny to be one of the part of the par eight. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think he's – I think they're solidified. After that, it kind of gets a little shaky. You're going to have to play the streaks, and if Ferk's looking good, let him get it Let him get it out, man. Like last night, I'm sure Doc was like, this is a Ferk night. Just go, go, just play, which is why probably Tobias was like, you know what? You guys are nailing all your shots. Go ahead. I mean, like just – I'll take it. I'll take it. Take it off. This will, this will be my rest day because Tobias doesn't really rest a lot. But winning the game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, if we lost and Tobias only had 14 points, he'd be like, what the hell is going on? But, you know, all is well when you win. So, it, it, it all looks good. Well, I mean, um, the flow of the game would have dictated that. You know, if they needed more from him then, and he didn't do it, then the situation, then that would call for it. You know, but if other guys are going and you're losing kind of in the manner where you kind of give it away in the end, then, yeah, I can see it. But um, when, Especially when with Maxie. Man, Maxie looks like a guy you might have the ball – very well have the ball at the end of the games from now on. I'm not. I was spoke about that before when I was like, you got to get someone else to be a primary ball handler and not change every single time. I think that we got to, you know, if, if Maxie gets a rebound and he should be able to push and James has to run. I mean, the one thing I've seen in my experiences and, and I was guilt, just as guilty of it is when primary ball handlers don't have the ball, they're not very good at running the court. Yeah, um, I think James, you know, sometimes you get up the court and I think about Allen Iverson when I play with him, um, some of his best plays were in transition because he got up the court and you were pushed the ball and, and attack before the defense is set. So I, that's what if you think about Maxie and how he's gotten a lot of his points, he's like up the up the court. Yeah, he's running. So I running. think if you can get James and Joe and those guys running up the court, getting and getting set and and and, and attacking before that defense is set. That's another way as far as Tobias could get some some touches. If he gets up there and get an early post and you throw it before the defense is set, it's just different ways to attack. But that yeah. takes effort. You got to run. You got to get up to court. Yep. Yep. I was actually looking at Doc's playoff minutes uh, last year. Um, it looked like he, he has three guys off the bench. His first three off the bench play in the 15 to 20 range. And then like three, like two guys play in like the 10 to 15 range. So yeah, I think the hard A, it's where you want to go with that. I think you're looking at Danny right now, uh, Niang, Danny, and probably Shake, I'd say, just because he, he can ball hand off the bench and we don't really have that besides him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's eight, nine, because I, you know, DeAndre Jordan could be a part of that, but um, you just don't know play all the time. <laughs> eight, yeah, the eight, nine guy could be a, a flip-flop based on who you're playing. Yep. I got, got to say, though, uh, since, since Harden's come on, you know, it's talking about, you know, there's been so much off the court stuff saying, oh, he's not a good leader. He's not good. I mean, based on the way Max has been playing since Harden's come over, you know, whether he whether he was on the court or not, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of Harden's influence is kind of like showing for Maxie on the court. I mean, last night, that step back three he had in the right shoulder. I mean, that that looked like a James Harden move. And like, he wasn't pulling the trigger like that before. Uh, I mean, he was pulling the trigger, but like, I guess not with this kind of confidence. It doesn't seem like he was as confident now. I mean, as he is now from the beginning of the season. Have you kind of noticed that, Eric? Yeah, I mean, his confidence. I think his confidence was was high. I think now, um, you know, he's put that. You know, experience is the best teacher. So he gets the confidence, and now all of a sudden, you got that experience. Um, 
to go out and play. But I think guys have accepted him and, and he's taken the, the challenge to come out and compete and get better. But that experience, like I said, that's the best teacher, man. You, you're going through different situations and you're feeling good. So I think that he's done that. He stayed aggressive and, and he's playing well. You just got to give him credit. I think that he's adapted to other guys being there, especially James being there, but he's still in attack mode and he's still trying to compete and he's playing hard and, and, it, and it's showing uh, because he's competing on both ends of the court. I think Maxi and Niang have probably been the biggest benefits off Harden being there. Um, I think MB has just been, t- been dominant all year. I don't think nothing's changed that much for him. I think, I think MB's shots have come a lot easier for him. Um, but he's just been dominant in general. But I think Maxi and, and Niang, I mean, their games have just gone up a, up a whole other level. I got that green light now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All Niang needs that half second. He's just, wait, he's just waiting just to shoot the ball. His hand's already in place. I love it. It's like me playing 2K back in the day. <laughs> quick, quick square. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, uh, so uh, final topic tonight. Um, obviously, we're getting to the the prediction segment. So um, Wednesday night on ESPN, uh, we'll be playing. We'll be traveling to LA to play the Los Angeles Lakers. Last time we played them at home, we won one hundred five to eighty seven. Um, what are your guys' uh, game predictions, and uh, what are you guys looking for um, to, looking forward to seeing against LeBron and the Lakers on Wednesday night? Um, you know, I, I think we'll win it. I mean, I think um, because. You know, being on the West Coast, you know, I, I see the Lakers a lot. Um, I just think that with with Joel, they'll have to play big, and they really don't want to. So I think that you know he'll be able to dominate, and we'll be able to get some some good looks and good shots. I mean, they're struggling defensively, so if he can get get in the paint, dominate, and he can score, that'll shrink their defense, get us some good looks, and he'll be able to. And I think he and James will get to that free throw line. Um, you know, obviously we got to figure out a way to contain LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we can do that and, and and try to make him take some, you know, more shots outside of paint than in the paint, um, I think that we, we can get the job done. But we can definitely score on them and attack them, but we're going to have to um, get some stops. We're going to have to play well defensively, um, you know, because right now they are playing well and putting some points up. It's just they've been struggling defensively, and we got to make sure we attack that. Asia, thoughts? I mean, if Harden isn't partying in Vegas or L.A. all night, then I think we'll have a much better shot at it. So, well, you know, he yells those West Coast road trips. Um, Lakers are looking pretty rather four and six in their last ten, but seven of those have been on the road, so I'm sure they're happy as hell to get back home. Uh, three of out of those four victories have been against playoff teams, so they do show up against bigger teams. They kind of just play down their competition also. But it's still LeBron, so you can't, you know, you can't just t- take it easy in that game. Um, and Westbrook's actually been shooting pretty well as of late. I, I do want to jinx him, so I, I'm not going to knock on wood. But um, I think in the last three games, shooting 50% out of 16 attempts from three. That's, that's not why they, you know, losing because of his score, his shooting. I mean, he, he wasn't shooting great at the beginning of the year, and they were still, you know, had a winning record. So that's true, it's, yeah. It's their defense, man. They just – they haven't been defending and rebounding well, and that's what we've got to make sure that – because that's what everybody has done. They've had success that way, so you got to make sure that – you go and continue and attack them in that way and then try to – yeah, you want to try to make Russ shoot threes and keep him out the paint and and don't give up easy baskets. And, and But 
the one way they can possibly hurt us is they are good in, in transition, especially at home. So we got to make sure that we contain that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually glad he's shooting well. It, it'll make him think he can just keep, you know, taking them and making them. So let him let him shoot six, seven more tomorrow. I'll, I'll bank on him going back to his, you know, 25%. So, um, yeah, I, we just got to show up offensively, just keep putting him on defensively and put the pressure on them to have to score a lot of points. I do think we win, though. I don't know if the spread's been released, but I – as of a couple hours ago, it had not been. Okay. I think they're waiting to see what Probably happens. Probably waiting plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, big game, though, as far as standings-wise. After last night's win, we're now two and a half games back from the one seed in the east. So, And I, I don't know where L.A. stands on, on their end, the, on, on the west side. Um, but Austin's uh, right on top of us now. Yeah. Well, everyone's kind of stacked on each other in, the, in that. I think, that be, uh, I think the Pelicans are right, right behind the Lakers, too, for that. That nine ten home game. Oh man. Yeah, Boston's actually the favorite to win our division now. Interesting. So they're probably yeah. taking into account that we're gonna have some more rest days coming. Yeah, I guess it, so. Are we done with the Boston series? Do we have any more Boston games left? Or is that is that is that it for our series? I don't know. I don't think we play them again. I think we're done. Okay. Well, I need I need to look up. Yeah, but two and a half, two and a half games back from the, the one spot, so we we we're still going to need Miami to uh, help from Miami's opponents for the next uh, thirteen or fourteen games left. So it'll be interesting to see the race for the the one seed in the East. And you know, with a win like that last night, that kind of keeps us back in it. You know, we lost the game Sunday night, and then you know, winning that game last night with with that Embiid and Hard was kind of like you know playing with house money there. Huge, huge. We do not play them again, by the way. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for us, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Believe in 76ers podcast presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys next on. We'll see you guys Friday as we uh, preview the Clippers game and talk about maybe some rumors regarding the guy we're playing tomorrow night, um, as some people have uh, released uh, over the last few days. Um, maybe in the summer, there might be a summer of LeBron to Philadelphia. We'll talk about oh. that on Friday. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you guys on Friday. Take it easy, guys. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.